0: This is Mike Madrid, and this is Gregory Rodriguez. We're your hosts for American ATA where we'll be exploring the intersection of race, class,
1: culture, and politics during a time of extraordinary change. We'll be thinking out loud and processing what's on our minds as we go unfiltered. And we're looking forward to you joining us for this discussion as we explore how we got to this tumultuous moment in the United States. Welcome back uh, to the discussion. Gregory, I've
0: got a question I want to ask and kind of a topic I want to visit with. And if um, you want to move off of it, that's okay, too. But what I want to talk about is um, socially, we as a people, we're talking a lot about our kind of national character. I want to steer away from the political ramifications of this as much as possible. But did the Trump era, did this time, the last four years, from 2016 to 2020, did the character, did the actions of the American people surprise you one way or the other, right? And again, I'm trying to talk about, I, I hate to even devolve it to the one way or the other um, time frame there or, or um, framework there because I don't want this to be right or left, right? there were, It was very clear that people were either for Trump or against Trump but I don't wanna put this into a partisan lens. I I am increasingly as I look back and it's not that far in the rearview mirror but I am increasingly surprised by frankly the actions of both sides and what it's telling us socially as we enter what I think is this time of tremendous change between people who believe we're headed in a right trajectory as a country between the, and, and those who do not between our own identity, racially and ethnically, what's happening economically, these differences. And I'm I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on on the surprise or lack thereof in your own mind about what the Trump era has meant.
1: I believe that my single solace going into the Trump administration was that people would somehow, people within the government, people, bureaucrats, uh, lawyers, Uh, who upheld, this is the system that that, that this is a large ship that one man and his cadre couldn't move the ship that quickly. And I thought there would be well-intended people who would stand up and quit, who would refuse, who would take stands, um, not from, you know, Santa Monica, not from the Upper West Side, but people who make their living off of running the government. And it didn't happen with very few exceptions. Uh, with the Ukrainian born soldier, for instance, that happened, that was, but that was rare. And so we, we continue to see a certain, I don't want to be cruel about it, but it sort of appeared to be a complete lack of political courage. Um, people more invested, I mean, understandably, people invested in their mortgages and their status rather than actually some taking a conscientious stand against what was a very dangerous time. Um, so one, I was, I was really struck by the behavior of the people within the government. Uh, two, we're becoming Pharisees. <laughs> this is, we, the, the talk of lawyers is just sickening. I mean, the, the, you know, the, Pharisee, the, 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 the valorizing the letter of the law over the spirit. I mean, my goodness, sold, lawyers are the soldiers of our time. And it's mm. it, it, it's it's bloodless talk, but it's extremely violent in its consequences, um, and and so this sort of we we talk you know from liberals you know you know adulating Mueller in the West Coast to who you know whoever you know you know on the Trump side saying well they didn't convict him so it's okay so there's extremely one that's a lack of political courage and this very weird. Um, Sort of overvalorization of lawyers really was depressing. Uh, So I'll start with that. So I'll, I'll send it back to you. Well, let me. I'm wondering if these are related. So let me
0: let me let me process this and think about this out loud. I don't think it was necessarily the lack of political courage, though there was that. I'm more concerned because I I thought it was just the frankly just the pure lack of courage and i've thought a lot about this actually in the last couple of days because a big part of what i was engaged in was was trying to break the enablers free right and i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not afraid of the donald trumps of the world there are bullies there are rapscallions there are authoritarians there are uh, you know aspiring dictators there always have been there always will be the fear the danger in a society especially a democratic society is that those around him are vested either in its success or are so frightened by what they will lose that they just keep going along with it piecemeal until it becomes so big that it consumes them. And this is kind of what we refer to as the enablers, right? These are the people that enabled the system to happen. And, and I would push back a little bit by saying, you said that this was understandable. I don't, I used to until I really sat down and said, well, why am I, why am I standing up? Why am I jeopardizing my career, my network, my business, my personal safety, frankly, the safety of my children by not by, by standing up? Why am I the tip of the spear? And I'm not saying I'm p- particularly courageous in some environment, but had more of us stood up earlier at the very beginning, had more of us stood up in the middle, had more of us stood up all the way through January 5th of 2020 this could have been stopped and it is it is precisely the lack of courage that enables a a rot like this to manifest itself and i don't think again it's in our political system i just don't think we're that courageous a people anymore we just don't have it in us anymore
1: absolutely i i would i i yes i i won't I won't quibble with the anymore. I'm just saying we that I, I think we, we, we can't compare ourselves with what we think we were, but it's we can compare ourselves to what the, uh, the ideal that we have of ourselves, of, mm-hmm. of hyper-individualist people who take stands and risk themselves. We do not. In my right. lifetime, we do yeah. not. Yeah. So I, I, I can't compare and, then, and so this was the extreme. This, this behavior is it happens left, right. It happens with strong men. How many politicians do you know? And you know, many who don't punish their enemies. How many people, but what's happened here, I think that's made it worse on some level. And, and I've been thinking a lot about whether Americans live in a free country. And I decided we don't. We don't, we don't live in a free country because we live, it's like, do people who live in a gang infested area live in a free, yeah. free society? Right. They, no, they fear getting beat up. Right. People fear getting beat up in mm-hmm. this country. Yeah. Legally, By Twitter, by and everybody losing their jobs. So I think, I think that's not the government coming at you. That's your fellow people coming at you. Yeah. So I think there's this stasis and there's this, there's this unwillingness to stick your neck out, not because you fear the government. Is because you fear your neighbor. And you see these stories, not to go back to politics, you see these stories of, of Congress people who's, oh, did you see the, the, the Washington Post columnist whose father had died and someone showed up at her father's funeral and insulted her for having said something nice about Barack Obama? It was Karen Tumulty. It was, it was astonishing. So these experiences people are having of fearing taking stands. So I think. Whether we were, ever were that way or not, we certainly aren't now. And so that's why I'm saying there's, there's cowardice and there's also the fact that we live in an unsafe neighborhood.
0: That, okay, that's an interesting perspective. And I agree hundred percent with it because I'm looking at my own life and look, I'm in politics, it's, it's about disagreement, right? It's about conflict. It's about kind of the exchange of ideas. Something happened in 2016 where there was this legitimization of anger and and violence. And I'm not gonna say it wasn't always there. Of course, it was always there. But it was different. This was really different. It was kind of celebrated by the right. There was just like this anger that finally burst to the surface that had been bubbling up for years. And I'm not going to say as a Republican, I hadn't seen some of that. But it was always in the dark shadows of conventions, just like kind of deep-seated rooted anger where people aren't for anything anymore, it's just against things and I'm against and I'm against and it just beats you down as a human being and you get so, so angry. And and the second thing, and this is where it started to affect my life personally, was the vicious attacks on me for for opening my mouth and saying, "Uh, this is wrong. (laughs) What we're witnessing is really bad stuff, this is wrong and just the vicious personal attacks that became commonplace in this era. And at least for the moment remain so, very foundationally different than anything I had experienced in the previous 25 years of my career.
1: This is interesting because my reaction to what you said, I had been a columnist for a major Metropolitan Daily for years and it was before Twitter. And I would get unbelievably racist personal vitriol. I am no stranger to vitriolic and even death threats. Mm-hmm. So I once wrote a column literally about an uncle who had died and I had mentioned his political opinions As, as a, and literally someone wrote me an email saying, good thing he's dead. So I th- this happened before Twitter, it happened before Trump but the difference is now, it's now it's performative. Now it's performative, it's in the public air, it's tweeted out and it's tweeted out in this this performative dance that is that is seeks to 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 undermine your credibility and to separate those who like you those who your network from you and that's where the coward is that's where the rats come in the rats run from you once you're attacked yeah when i used to receive these emails i want i wrote one of the, the i wrote a column on what i found was a reprehensible Speech by Barack Obama on on, on his on his reverend and comparing him comparing him to some extent to his late grandmother, and I I you know I'm not, a, I'm not an enemy I'm not, i didn't dislike Barack Obama I just didn't like speech right I got so many insults and you effing Mexican what the word? you're on the wrong side of history and you better watch your back it was astonishing. And it's always racialized. It's always racialized. It? Right. So it's, now it's 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 now the the meanness is performative within creates this crescendo and it creates the allies that come out, and everyone else who doesn't like you can now tag on to those people who don't like you. And then the people who are your friends say, Oh shit. That's ca- the cowardice is now much greater because it the the cruelty now it, it basically now uh, Implicates lots more people around you in the attack. The 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 virulence was always there. Yeah. I was writing a column in two thousand and three. It was vicious, but now now they can hurt you in a different way. It doesn't hurt me in the end. Doesn't hurt you in the end. I hope not. But it. But but it's, but it's watching, going to.
0: And look, let me look. You're you're exactly right. I mean, you nailed it on the head. I remember when I was the political director of the Republican Party, I would get attacked. Um, by Republicans emailing me death threats. Let's go back right. to your country, right? right. What, why are you saying this stuff publicly about, about racial issues, right? right. Shock. And you said Ventura
1: County is the same country. <laughs> I'm from Ventura County.
0: Um, so so you're, you're right. No, you're right. And I think you, you, you capture it perfectly. It's performative and it's designed to instigate. So let me, let, yes. me, let, me, let, me, let me flesh this out a little bit more because you're right. And I'm starting to see this with elected officials. It usually comes with somebody with a, with their phone in their hand, trying to show the conflict to take it to the next level. It's performative for others. Now it's not just somebody whipping off an email or even yelling at you at a politician further away. This is designed to get as much reach as possible to inflame as many people as possible. And the more confrontational and the more, the, the more of a spectacle it is, the more there is, um, the reaction that the uh, that that the performer is trying to create,
1: right? In order to either you losing your livelihood, or losing your platform, or losing whatever whatever it is, or losing allies, in order to separate you, yeah, from your context. Mm-hmm. And so the cowardice comes not in the instigators. The cowardice comes in your your realm, your network that's what, so that's what we're seeing. so this is the flip side of people clinging to Trump it's the people running from the people who are attacked right so it's really the same sort of sort of safety in numbers mentality and everyone trying to keep their nose clean in a society again think of the united states as a bad neighborhood and, and you're walking through and you're expecting to get your ass kicked on any given corner. Yeah. Are you going to be talking? Are you, are you going to be honest about your political opinion? Yeah, you keep are you going to be honest down. about anything? Mouth shut and head down. Exactly. And that's what the country has become. Keep your mouth shut and your head down or you will be attacked. And that is not a recipe for a healthy people, a healthy society, let alone democracy. Democracy is the least of it. But this and it's, it's zero recipe for creativity. It's anti-creative.
0: So what explain the cancel culture, especially on the right, this idea I, that- somehow... I just did, in a way. I, I don't want yeah, to use the... the word,
1: but I just okay. did. And, and it, it's essentially performative attacks that seek to separate you from, from uh, any credibility, any networks or, 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 or livelihood. So th- that's what it is. On what it, I don't want to give it names because names give it some sort of yeah, currency on a, right. in a Partisan political position overtime, that I don't right. mean to. It, yeah. it, is, it, it is what it is, no matter who does it. But the country- how do we get f- here? How did we get here? Oh,
0: uh, podcast for another day
1: <laughs> That's a, that's another topic. It's another day yeah. that's a, yeah. you know I, I think we I, I, but, but I that's a different I think we should tackle that in another show but but it's really this utter fear uh, that people people would rather not go through it.
0: Yeah people- I, I, amen. It's not fun and to to what end there's no there's no reward at the end of getting humiliated and ostracized from your network and people kind of looking back and going, oh, that was embarrassing. There like couldn't should...
1: be a reward. Well, this is the philosophical, there could be a reward. Yeah, okay. the, the, the word could be liberty. The word, the
0: the, 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 the right to get your ass the kicked word in be
1: is, the, the word could be, I'm going to walk through this neighborhood because I don't care.
0: That's kind of how but, I feel. I mean, I mean
1: this <laughs> a good friend of mine said at some point in the f- near future, we're going to look back And those who and those who weren't canceled will wish they will will wish that they had been.
0: I'll say more about that. (laughs)
1: In in that, it's so, you know, they took Flannery O'Connor's name, the great Catholic Southern novelist off the name of a school and a southern university. I mean, in other words, we at some point it will probably be apparent that this behavior and the, the behavior of media that helps mediate that helps amplify, that is generally, you know, sharing the information, quote unquote, um, th- there's no end. It, it, I, I think it will reach a cycle in which so many people will be burned. And we're already seeing that now. We're, I don't wanna get into the New York Times stuff, but we're already seeing the extent to which it's really unproductive. And at one extent, it's really not, it, it's, it's really anti-intellectual, it's anti-creative. And it's really ends up with everyone getting burned. It, 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 when it, your country turns into a circular uh, firing squad, uh, you're not gonna see the best and brightest either running for office or writing columns. You're just gonna see people who can please those who they can please. So other people around them won't run away from them. Conformity, is that the goal? I I, I think of course the goal, the goal of any you know, so back in the day, you know, when you started and I started, you know, the, the, the point was remember that the, 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 the undecided voter. And now we know the disappearance of the undecided voter. Right. And now we have the two blocks, and the goal now is just to piss off the core of each block, right? right. Yeah. So, the, with, with the diminishment the, and the demise of the undecided voter, you also have the demise of dialogue right there, there's, there's no value as,
0: in commu- trying to communicate or convince it's just fear and anger to mobilize yeah, yeah. the
1: country is the country is now it's it's, it's not even persuasion it's constant coercion it's yeah. constant co. you know i saw this i had this field day in my head years ago i saw this meme on social media it said share this goat it's a picture of fricking goat. It meant nothing. And I, I said, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. It didn't tell me how to vote. It didn't tell me what to think on abortion. <laughs> it didn't tell me, you know, who to like. Share yeah. the goat, dude. I yeah. mean, it's, let's not, it share not to persuade. I just, we become, a, this, this, is, this is not, this is the opposite of liberty. This is the opposite of live and let live. This is constantly, I personally, and I get older, I don't need the people around me to believe the same things I do or behave the same way I do, but Americans seem to be stuck on making others behave and believe what they do.
0: It's astonishing. So here in California yesterday, I spoke to the Sacramento Bee because a Republican legislator, who's actually a friend of mine, uh, Melissa Melendez, she's a friend of mine, she's from the Inland Empire area of the, of the state, introduced a bill that would include political opinions as a protected class in California. Oh, so, I'm bringing that up. And again, I didn't want to delve into the realm of politics. This is more policy. So, that's how I'm going to backdoor this. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs>
1: I hate you for asking that question, dude. It's just ridiculous. It's, 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 it, 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 the protected classes are another way. One, it's another way for whites to actually become minorities to become protected classes so they mm-hmm. can maintain their status. It, it's it, it's 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 a disaster. Basically, we've taken the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Where, you know, I have a picture of Martin Luther King standing behind Lyndon B. Johnson. You know, and 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 we have turned it into a special interest group where by one chooses a protected class and therefore strikes out against those they believe have hindered their progress. It's, it's a nightmare. And so, yes, let, so already we've become a minor, majority-minority state with, you know, given every possible protected minority now makes up a majority of the state. Now let's make it two thirds, now let's make 90% of Californians make them protected classes. So again, this is what I'm getting at. We've reached the end of the logic of that system. That system was made for black workers in the South. Mm -hmm. And now it applies to- Everybody. uh, Really, (laughs) it it basically applies, now it's gonna apply to uh, conservatives in the IE. So I I think what we, but, but again, these are the mechanisms of the revenge. They're not the reasons for it.
0: Yeah, are they related though to the previous conversation? Well, That's why not, I brought they're, it up.
1: They're, 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 they're tools to 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 with, with which to hurt. Uh, they're tools with which to attack, but they're not the cause. Mm-hmm. You should know say they're not the The vitriol, I think Americans are very unhappy. I think if you're a happy person, I think you're if, if you're happy with your lot in life, you will be less obsessed about someone else. You will be less obsessed about tearing down someone else or attacking someone else or making demanding that someone believe and behave like you do. So so I think that's it again, these are deeper issues, but I think we're extraordinarily unhappy and we have lots of tools with which to express it.
0: Well look, I think this does get you just very simplistically, very elegantly, very eloquently pointed out the answer to the question that we started with, which is are you surprised by the way Americans have been behaving during this era. I don't know that there's that much to be unhappy about in America right now, but damn, we've done a good job of finding it. Cause there's a wide swath of America. There's a whole political party built about being angry and unhappy. And I'm not saying that it's exclusive to, to, to one party or the other, but it's, it's a very dominant characteristic of the American right at this moment in history. It's angry, it's unhappy, and it's not trying to fix it. That surprised because me. Look, I've seen
1: people- Anger is a is a tool to get people to vote. Yeah, it's and a motivating they, tool. It's, and as a political consultant- vote, vote is a way to get your people
0: into power. Yeah, It's a look, tool. We, look, we, we figured this out in 2004, and I say we, I mean we the profession, okay? But really, I mean, look, this goes back to Karl Rove in the midterms. I'm sorry, 2002, 2006, the two midterms during the Bush presidency where there was a, the data-driven realization that there was no middle, there's no undecided. There were no undecided voters and Republicans can't win if you can't persuade enough voters. So it quit the persuasion business in the early 2000s and it went to the mobilization business. And right. the, best, the two best tools at your disposal to mobilize voters are fear and anger. And so we put our Republican voter base on a very generous, very steady diet of fear and anger. Red meat. The red meat to the base, man. And we just plugged people right into their IVs on their Fox News channel, right through the remote control and just fed it and fed it and fed it and fed it until it became not even the dominant you know, characteristic, almost the exclusive characteristic, which then requires blame. You gotta have somebody to be mad at, right? And the Democrats become the catch-all and Nancy Pelosi at the time and still today becomes the catch-all, the catch basin for all of this funnel and this focus on its anger. Whether it's now the Black Lives Matter movement or whether it's Muslims trying to impose Sharia law or whether it's the Chinese starting their Wuhan flu or the Mexicans sending their drug dealers and their rapists. It's all based off of the politics of blame, the mobilization of blame. And I understand there's extraordinary economic anxiety. There's that word, the the phrase. I understand that. I understand we're going through significant demographic transformation, but damn, look around, man. It's not a whole lot to be that unhappy about at this time Yeah, but but
1: but You you said a lot of things here, but people are not unhappy. The people, people, you don't need to find a cause for people to be unhappy. You don't, there doesn't have to be cause. Okay, uh, people are unhappy because, because of what's inside their head or people are unhappy because of who they are vis-a-vis someone else who they compare themselves to. People are, I mean, we, you know, it, this is like newspaper logic that just, you know, it, what, I, what I love, it's like, it's like when there's a horrible murder and you're watching TV and they're saying, well, we're trying to get to why. I don't give a shit why someone murders somebody. Sometimes they're lunatics. Sometimes it's, but it's always this causal understand people's deep black psyche, right? No, sometimes people are unhappy and there's waves of unhappiness and there's times in civilization in which people feel rootless, powerless, and they have nothing to do with immigration and they may have nothing to do with en- uh, 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 economics, but there is, But there, there, sometimes, Mike, sometimes it's actually manipulated by the political professionals. Sometimes you can make people unhappy. Sometimes you can make people feel they're unhappy. So that's a different subject altogether. So sometimes you can stoke and create unhappiness and where there isn't any. So that's another subject, but yeah, I I hear you. But we have one party that's dedicated to, uh, to resentment.
0: Donald Trump, the unhappy warrior, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. On that note, Gregory will talk. Let's talk a little bit more next week, buddy.
1: Thanks, buddy. Bye. Have a good one.
0: Thanks again for visiting with Gregory Rodriguez and Mike Madrid on this episode of American ATA. If you've enjoyed the discussion, please help us out. Share, review, and give us five stars. We'll talk to you next episode.